Good afternoon, and welcome back to The Rewind, a Tufts Daily podcast. I'm your host, Sam Derringer. In this episode, reporter Ari Navetta reports on the 2022 Wendell Phillips Award winner Renee Lapointe Jameson. But first, a conversation with Tufts Daily News editor Coco Arkend about her recently published article regarding the Faculty Senate resolution urging Tufts to end legacy-based admissions. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Rewind, the Tufts Daily's own news podcast. Today, I'm happy to be joined by Tufts Daily news editor and reporter Coco Arkand. Coco is a junior who recently published an article about the recent resolution passed by the Faculty Senate concerning the elimination of legacy consideration and admissions, which we'll discuss today. Coco, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Cool. So before we dive into the article, um, could you explain a little bit to the audience about like kind of your background with The Daily and what kind of things you report? Yeah, um, I started with The Daily during the fall of my sophomore year. I had never really written for any type of newspaper or anything before that. Um, and I kind of have a more science-dominated course load. So I just found like The Daily was a nice way to be able to practice my writing and things like that. Awesome. Um, yeah. Awesome. Uh, so kind of getting into the background of this faculty senate, like what what is the faculty senate and kind of what role does it play in decision making at the university and how much power do they have? Yeah, so I think it was started around 2017. So it's been uh, around for a couple years now. But basically, it just has representatives from each of the different schools at Tufts. So arts and sciences, engineering, the medical school, I believe the dental school, a um, couple other ones, I'm guessing. Um, but basically, it has all those representatives, and they can kind of come together and talk about um, issues that the faculty sees. And it's a way for them to kind of be able to combine their ideas before they bring it to administration. So I think on their own, they might not necessarily have a lot of power to make changes, um, but just showing their support, because faculty are obviously very respected here, um, is just the way that they have most of their power. Right. Um, cool. So how about a brief overview of this resolution that was passed that you covered in the article? Is kind of it a direct action that ends legacy consideration completely? Uh, or is it just kind of like one little step? Yeah, it's kind of more one little step. So honestly, um, this kind of all came about because students, uh, Christopher Tomo and then Amea Menta, um, there are students who brought a resolution calling to end legacy admissions at the student level, and they made a petition and got a lot of support, but they wanted to kind of bring it to the faculty level. So that's kind of what showed the faculty senate about it. And then the faculty senate, by passing this petition or this resolution, shows their support. But really, there's not any um, immediate change that comes from that. Rather, now, um, I talked to Dean Glaser, I think that's mm-hmm. how you pronounce it, of, he's a dean of arts and sciences, and they said, right now, over the summer, they're going to try to conduct a study of the of legacy admissions at Tufts and decide what to do based on the results of that study because they want to make sure that they have a full understanding of how legacy admissions operate at Tufts before they make any changes. Do you have any details about what this study is going to look like, or did they just say there's going to be some study that happens? They just said there's going to be one, some study that happens. Um, 
they really stressed when I spoke with um, Dean Glaser, it was they were definitely stressing that legacy admissions at Tufts is not necessarily meant to perpetuate privilege or anything because it also includes um, people who are siblings of other students. So it's not necessarily meant to um, create unfair advantages to students, but rather just get more students who are interested in Tufts to be able to come here. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're going to try to see what maybe if that's true in practice or if it is perpetuating privilege more than they would like. And who within the faculty Senate, like was there a particular member or kind of a group of people that proposed the resolution? And was there a specific instance? I mean, you described it a little bit already um, that prompted the faculty Senate to finally uh, pass a resolution like this after years of legacy admissions. Yeah, it honestly, from the interviews that I've conducted, it sounds like really the main thing that made this all happen was the students who came forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that kind of just goes to show how much power students can have because they passed um, a petition through the TCU Senate and they had full support on that. Um, and then they brought it to the faculty Senate and it was Dr. Wardis. He's a professor of immune, immunology at Tufts Medical, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the one, he chairs the committee, so he was the one who officially brought the resolution. Cool. And I, reading the article, it kind of also tied back to the university's commitment to anti-racism, that statement that they put out in 2020. How specifically does this resolution support that commitment to anti-racism? Um, I think the best way I think that this has been said through my interviews was Amea Menta, who was one of the students who brought it to the TCU Senate. She said that um, legacy admissions was originally designed to benefit white Protestant males. And obviously, um, although the practice has changed, like I said, uh, Dean Glaser has made sure to specify that it doesn't just involve people's parents or things like that. It's also siblings. Um, it's an outdated practice. It still does benefit probably very much the people that it was originally intended to benefit, white Protestant males. Um, so it's just kind of stands in stark opposition to what the university has said they're committed to. So I think that's why it has become such a point of interest. Mm-hmm. And. I, I don't know how much you've um, researched into the community response about this so far, but what has the community, how has the community responded to the resolution so far? And have there been any, like, has there been any outcry or dissenting opinions um, at the forefront of everything? Um, honestly, I think there's mainly just been support. Even I received an email from a uh, old faculty member who was asking about whether this is also related to Um, legacy in terms of people whose parents work at Tufts Mm -hmm. and they were saying that that's been a huge problem in um, the years that they worked here Uh, I haven't seen any real opposition Um, yeah cool and what about some next steps in terms of enacting ultimately enacting the resolution and putting an end to legacy admissions um, in general yeah so there have already been big steps like even at um, even predating this resolution, Tufts Medical School had already removed their legacy um, consideration. So it's more, this movement is trying to move to the other schools of Tufts, like arts and science, engineering, all those things. So I think for next steps, the biggest thing now is it's kind of in the administration's hands. They're the ones who can make a lot of the actual changes, which is why I think it's really important that they conduct that study and see how legacy admissions are being handled at Tufts and what this practice does, both, I guess, in good ways and bad ways. Um, But also, the petition that's sent around, 
um, to be signed by students is still going around. And I think that it's a true testament to kind of shows how um, people showing support for issues they care about is what allows the administration to hear about these issues because this would have never probably been brought up to the faculty had students not spearheaded that process. So I think honestly, people just showing their support is a big next step. That's great. Could this resolution, it's a very big resolution, could it kind of set a precedent or indicate more similar resolutions like this to come from the faculty senate, do you think? And what are your inclinations about the faculty senate's next steps in terms of kind of addressing admissions processes and similar issues? Yeah, so I don't, honestly, I can't really know exactly what they're going to do next, but I think that this just shows that they're willing to listen to students, hear about issues, um, consider issues, and they're not afraid to bring up and pass resolutions that kind of go against the admissions at Tufts and are asking them to make changes when it's a cause they believe in. So I think it just shows, although I don't know exactly specifics of what new resolutions could look like, I think it just shows that there most likely will be new resolutions to come because the world is changing and it sounds like Tufts in some ways isn't necessarily always 100% up to date with that change. And it sounds like the faculty are willing to kind of call out Tufts when they need to be called out. So, Coco, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. (laughs) In the news this week, Tufts recently announced its plans to install temporary housing at the current site of the MOD starting in fall of 2022. The temporary housing will house 150 first-year students, with three separate buildings each containing a kitchen, a common area, a laundry room, and study spaces. Although the new housing is said to resemble the current MODs from the outside, the emphasis on the interior of the building will focus much more on, quote, fostering community building, end quote. As the newly accepted class of 2026 student body begins to acclimate themselves within the Tufts community, Dean of Admissions J.T. Duck explained that this year's class has a particular eye for civic engagement. With more than a 12% increase in applications and a record low 9% acceptance rate, this is the university's most competitive year of admissions to date. With aspirations to slowly grow the overall size of the university, Tufts has various plans to accommodate the large incoming student body, including the addition of temporary residence halls on the tennis courts. Tufts announced at the end of March that the university police will transition to a hybrid model of arming, according to recommendations from the working group on TUPD arming. The transition will enact a new, quote, differential response system, end quote, that employs both, quote, armed officers and unarmed security professionals, end quote. Multiple activist groups on campus indicate that while the transition to a hybrid model is a, quote, step in the right direction, end quote, it does not work towards the ultimate goal of making Tufts a more safe and anti-racist institution. On April 8th, Tufts announced the creation of the Center for Black Maternal Health and Reproductive Justice. The center will aim to address, quote, systemic inequities in black maternal health outcomes through research, advocacy, and training, end quote. Dr. Ndidia Maka Amuta Anukaga, who currently serves as the Julia A. Okoro Professor of Black Maternal Health, is set to direct the center for years to come. Next up, senior Renee LaPointe Jameson won the Wendell Phillips Award 
meaning she will be the sole student to address her class at commencement on May 22nd. Rewind reporter Ari Navetta has the story. After a month-long nomination and audition process, Renee LaPointe Jameson was announced last week as the winner of the 2022 Wendell Phillips Award. LaPointe Jameson will deliver the Wendell Phillips Address during the baccalaureate ceremony on May 21st. The address is the only time a senior speaks publicly during commencement weekend. The Wendell Phillips Award is given by the Committee on Student Life. CSL member Sophia Friedman described how the committee selected LaPointe Jameson for the award. First, seniors are self-nominated or nominated by faculty and peers, Friedman, a senior, wrote in an email to the Tufts Daily. Then, seniors are invited to send in their resume, an essay explaining their reasons for applying, and a video giving a taste of the speech they would like to give. Lastly, finalists are invited to audition in person, giving a 10-minute version of their speech to an audience of CSL and community members. LaPointe Jameson was selected for the award after auditioning in Goddard Chapel with three other finalists for the award, Catherine Lazar, Chidiabele Ekpiazu, and Zara Rizvi. The baccalaureate ceremony, a Tufts tradition since 1864, will also feature opening words by University Chaplain Elise Nelson-Winger, senior interviews by video, instrumental music performances, an address by University President Anthony Monaco, and multi-faith addresses from university chaplains. The baccalaureate ceremony is the one time a senior speaks publicly during commencement weekend, Nora Bond, university chaplaincy program manager, wrote in an email to the Daily. To have a student voice sharing their Tufts experience, galvanizing their peers to more civic engagement, and delivering their speech with compelling energy reminds the class of 2022 of all they have accomplished and all they will make true in the world. The day after the baccalaureate ceremony, the class of 2022 will attend the All-University Commencement Ceremony, featuring a commencement address from Erica Lee, a historian, author, and scholar who graduated from Tufts in 1991. This year will be the first in-person commencement ceremony since 2019 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. A separate in-person ceremony will also be held on May 27th for graduates of the class of 2020. The Wendell Phillips Award was created in 1896 in honor of 19th century orator Wendell Phillips, a famed abolitionist and advocates for the rights of women and indigenous communities. It is given to a senior who demonstrates both marked ability as a speaker and a high sense of public responsibility. The address delivers a message about civic engagement in our time and reflects on how a Tufts education might help make the world a better place through constructive civic engagement. LaPointe Jameson, a senior Tisch scholar studying environmental engineering, has a long history of community organizing. At 14, she mobilized dozens of her peers to build community gardens, host food drives, create care packages for homeless shelters, and more. She now works with Building Audacity, a Black-led and founded nonprofit supporting youth-led change-making as the Food Justice Project's coordinator. As of March 2022, Building Audacity's Food Justice Program, On The Grow, has served over 650 families through food distribution, hydroponic farming, agricultural tech business programming, and a host of other initiatives. LaPointe Jameson also serves as an Africana Center peer leader and her lead fellow, 
and received a Tufts Presidential Award for Civic Life in 2021 at the end of her junior year. With her environmental engineering background, LaPointe Jameson focuses on race and justice, including environmental racism and advancing the inclusion of equity and engineering education. She co-created the Equity Committee of the Student Chapter of the American Society of Civil Engineers and co-directs a community hydroponics center funded by a Tufts University Green Fund grant. Reflecting the turbulent years during which the class of 2022 has been at Tufts, LaPointe Jameson, in her speech, will ask her graduating peers what normal should look like. Aside from living through the pandemic, LaPointe Jameson recalled the class of 2022's unusual first days on campus as inspiration for her speech. I kept thinking about matriculation for the class of 2022, LaPointe Jameson said. Our matriculation, and actually our pre-orientation period, was just terribly hot like some of the hottest temperatures that happened in Medford and Somerville, I think, on record at that time. I was like, I think I should play into this and the concept of the pandemic that people would say a lot about what is normal and unusual. I think my speech is about having our class reflect on what is normal and how normal can actually be something that's violent, LaPointe Jameson said. So as we move through this difficult time and reflect on the amazing ways we've showed up for each other, I think we can be more imaginative, more creative, more grounded in equity and justice, and how we want our normal to look moving forward. For The Rewind, I'm Ari Nevetta. Editor's Note. This story utilized a reporting and an interview with LaPointe Jameson from a previous daily article. That's it for this edition of The Rewind. We'll be back soon for more stories from the Tufts Daily. This has been an audio production of the Tufts Daily. Our producers are Sophie Wax and Zoe Kava. Audio editing by Ari Navetta and Aaron Klein. Aaron Klein is the executive audio producer. I'm your host, Sam Derringer. Thank you for listening.